Me and my me and a, uh, old buddy of mine had this joke that uh, all the way around Atlanta, from McDonough to Cartersville, and from like I don't know Douglasville to Decatur, it's just like they're all separate entrances and exits to portals of hell. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. This is babbling and dabbling. You already know we are podcast. Yeah, we babbling and dabbling. Podcast. Yeah, we babbling and dabbling. Babbling and dabbling. Babbling and dabbling. Uh. Uh, welcome to the show. This is babbling and dabbling. You already know we are podcast. Yeah, we babbling and dabbling. Podcast. Yeah, we babbling and dabbling. Babbling and dabbling. Babbling and dabbling. Uh. All right. Welcome I- to another episode of Babbling and Dabbling. Fucking Scott tried to say something, but I cut him <laughs> off. Fuck him. Anyway, my name is Camden Hill. I am joined by my co-host Scott Barnhart and. I think Scott wanted to say something. Oh, no. No, okay, I fucking <laughs> fucked that up then. <laughs> we are joined today by a very special guest. His name is Rick Geyer. He is the owner of Triangle Arts here in Macon. He also owns the 787 Windsor Venue in Atlanta, Georgia. And he has some other stuff that he's done with his life as well. Uh, real quick, before we jump into that with Rick, if you want to follow along on any social media, we are on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, the handles are both Babbling Dabbling, B-A-B-B-L-I-N, D-A-B-B-L-I-N. Uh, Facebook, we are Babbling and Dabbling. I don't know how to change the URL to make it real easy for you to find, but our profile picture is a fucking alien and a flamingo driving a lowrider, so it's Can't miss hard it. to miss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my personal Instagram and uh, f- Twitter are both at dflamingo187. Um, Scott, where can they find you at? Uh, conveniently, I forgot to write down all the actual. <laughs> conveniently, you forgot again. to get here on time. But too, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'll leave the uh, I'll, I'll leave the links in the description of the video. Okay, Rick, where can everybody find you at? Okay, they can find me a couple places actually. Number one at Triangle Arts Macon, which is both Facebook and uh, Instagram, and then also uh, 787.windsor, Facebook and Instagram. All right, so if you're a fan of art, which you probably would be if you were listening to a podcast because it's a form of art, uh, you should definitely check out both of those venues. And uh, if you live in the Macon area or if you live in the Atlanta area, come check out one of his venues. It's fucking awesome. Um, So we're going to jump right in. Rick, uh, we'll just get a little bit of a backstory about you, uh, let people know what you are like as as much as you want to know. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'll just tell you, you know, first of all, thank you both very much for doing this and coming here and being part of Triangle Arts. I mean, it's uh, Triangle Arts Macon. Uh, and by the way, you got to say Triangle Arts Macon because there's actually a Triangle Arts like Brooklyn or something. And oh, they're fuck a lot, Brooklyn. Fuck Brooklyn. <laughs> they're a lot bigger than we are. And uh, I kind of like Brooklyn because it's like a sister city to Detroit kind of because they went through the same thing, which, by the way, Macon is doing as well. But that we can save that for later. So I, I grew up in Ohio, actually. And and. Um, uh, came to Atlanta about 10 years ago, but in the meet, but before that, uh, worked at Ford Motor for 10 years in, in uh, product development, came up with some new vehicles and new vehicle types, and that's we can save that for another story uh, once I'm beyond the statute of limitations. <coughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then also worked at Deloitte Consulting for about 10 years and really got tired of doing all that stuff. And uh, so ended up, long story, but came down here and uh, had bought a place in Detroit. Um, we can talk about that later. Then came down here, and I've been doing the same thing down here for about ten years now. All right. Awesome. You have anything that that any questions that that inspired? 
<laughs> no, let's keep no. rolling. Let's no, that wasn't that inspirational, on. actually, now that I think about it. But it was, <laughs> well, you know, it's, you know, it's no, okay. No, no, no. I mean, well, I, I don't want to give anything away here. I'm trying to, you know. I came up with segue. a whole list of questions. I don't want Scott to feel like, you know, left out hey, on this podcast. You're the captain today, man. <laughs> I'm the captain all the time. Well, and he was, he was an hour late. So, you know, I mean, let him feel okay. a little left out for a couple of minutes anyway. All right. So, like I said, you own uh, 787 Windsor in Atlanta, Georgia. And just recently... And the uh, what middle of September, you hosted the Revolt Summit, which is uh, Diddy's company is Revolt, right? Yep. Okay. Diddy. So what was that like hosting that event? Um, well, it, it actually, I mean, it's a it's an amazing event, and that was the first time we hosted that. It was uh, funded nationally by or, or sponsored nationally by AT and T, so they had a lot of money to spend, and uh, and they did, and they they painted the whole place black, which is amazing. If you've ever seen the place, it was covered in street art, still, and it still will be. We actually covered up some of the street art with this fake metal and then spray painted that black. Um, but it was it was wonderful to host. It was a great crowd. Um, you know, it it really aims at what we consider or I consider my target market to be, which is typically uh, young and black and emerging and and moving forward and, and people who need to get to the next step, the next level. And certainly, that's exactly what P Diddy's trying to do and help people in in terms of hip hop do. Right. I saw a lot of coverage on that from social media. Some of my friends, they got, you know, some passes, I, you know, and they were posting on Instagram and Facebook, and it looked like a real great turnout. I heard um, who was it? Killer Mike was on a panel, T.I. was on a panel. Um, there was some kind of controversy with them and uh, some, I guess, like a Republican candidate? Well, there's a, there's a young woman who has some rather conservative ideas, and she and Killer Mike got into it, and it's it's that's already gone viral on YouTube <laughs> and everything else, so you have to go somewhere else to find that, but... <laughs> But it was kind of a spirited discussion, yes. And uh, but that but that's a kind of a cool thing. I mean, I think it's very good to have those kinds of discussions. So people in the audience sit and think, "Wow, you know, there are people that, that feel both ways. How do they feel? You know, in my ver- my vernacular is, how does she feel <laughs> as she feels? I don't get it. <laughs> uh, but but you know, that's kind of my own politics. And um, so yeah, it was a great event, and uh, we're actually looking forward to another one. If uh, we've got the fourth for the fourth year in a row, we've, we're hosting Afropunk. And they are actually starting to set up as we speak, or tomorrow, I think. And then, so they'll be here the um, the weekend of, oh, you, I should have checked the dates, like Scott should have checked his <laughs> URLs. But uh, they're here in about a week and a half. Look up Afropunk Atlanta, and uh, we're going to host them. And I believe it's going to be um, a week from, a week or two <laughs> from, from tomorrow, or from yesterday, I guess it is. Oh, shit, we uh, might have to bump this episode we're gonna have up. To, we're so gonna have to figure out, out now yeah. what, when it is. But and what kind of artists are usually at uh, Afropunk? Well, Afropunk is really a, a, a lot broader spectrum in terms of music and, and the, the stuff they have coming in. We they typically have thirty to thirty-five different bands, and oh, wow. or different different groups or different individuals on uh, I don't know generally two sometimes three stages depending on. But they rent the whole spot out, and it's filled with vendors. It's filled with. Afropunk is obviously very Afrocentric, but it's also LBGT-centric, and it is probably 6,000 of the most wonderful, friendly, articulate, polite, crazy, diverse, yeah. wild, creative people you could be around. It's the best thing. It's, it's my favorite event every year. I want to say one of my Facebook friends posted about it. They went to the last one up there. Um, if you guys are familiar with DJ Uh-Oh, that's who I'm referring to. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to say that's the event he some festival. I can't remember I who DJ Uh Oh is, but it, that really is, strikes me as as being 
familiar. I can't remember who the guy is, but but yeah, we have a lot of there's a lot of um, a lot of talent up there, and you know they they run this thing and and where they they pick a local band and they put them on the national on their main stage. Uh-huh. And there, I don't know if the voting is done yet now, but there's a guy, a local guy in town, who's actually hooked into Triangle Arts Making, and um, he he is in a band called African uh, or uh, African Americana, African Americana, yeah. and they are a phenomenal band. And they, if you if you yeah, look I them up, a couple of their songs are really unique. Oh, they're awesome. I mean, they're just they're interesting. They're they're um, and they're local. They're they're from Macon, and I love them. They they're helpful down to here. They've come down, helped us out, et cetera. So look them up online and try to help them out and vote for them, et cetera. Shout out to Tommy Superior, and uh, his name is Alexander Rath, but that shit's spelled backwards on Facebook because he likes to be different. <laughs> uh, Tommy was here with us for the focus group that you you threw us yeah. into that day. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, first for me. I've never done a focus group until then. That was an interesting experience. <laughs> well, by the way, I don't know if you guys talked about that focus group. The purpose of these focus groups that we have is, as as many of you all know, Macon is the, theoretically the 13th most segregated city in the country. Whatever that means. You know, I don't know what metrics. Culturally or something. What's like that? It's, just, it's like it's just kind of happened culturally kind of. Well, culturally, but I mean yeah. in terms of how they measure it's 13 versus 15 versus 2 oh, okay. or whatever. And yeah. so I don't know if I agree with 13th, but. Who cares? It's directionally an extremely segregated place. And what we're trying to figure out is why. And so we run these focus groups out here, and we get a lot of folks from the neighborhoods coming in telling us, you know, why are things segregated? What's the deal? And it's it's really interesting. A lot of it's perceptual. A lot of it's not real. A lot of it's perceptual. But when it's perceptual to some people, it's real to other people. Right. And yeah. so we're really all working hard to try to change that. Again, given our target market and everything else, we're trying to provide opportunities for people to get in and one of our favorite sayings now is we're trying to mix it up. And, and really yeah. what, what we do down here and what I've done in, in three cities now is trying to get white folks and black folks in the same room and hashing it out, baby. I mean, we're all the same. And, and mm-hmm. we do really, really well and have a lot of fun mixing people up and getting them together. Well, so how long have you actually been doing this uh, Triangle Arts? Like when, when did it start? Let's, let's go back to the origin of Triangle Arts making. Triangle Arts started in, in uh, February. I think I closed on Valentine's Day, as I recall. But I started to try to buy it about seven months before that. And um, what I do is I, I typically now will buy, uh, and I'm not like well-heeled and I don't have a ton of money, so I have to be really careful and I look for these properties and stuff. And that's why I came to Macon because there's a, there's a uh, here's a shout out for a commercial enterprise called LoopNet, but if you go on to LoopNet, you can look at industrial properties like Zillow all over the country, mm-hmm. and you can put in I want one that's you know between this many acres and this many or this many square feet, and I'll pay this much, etc. And there's a huge listing of all this stuff, and this place came up as being very inexpensive and reasonable, and so I started thinking about it, and the more I looked at Macon, the more I realized that. Macon represents, for me, a smaller version of Detroit. And I, I passed through Detroit for a brief 25-year period. Um, I love Detroit. And then I moved down to Atlanta, as I think I mentioned earlier. And I'm not a big fan of Atlanta the way I am of Detroit. And I actually worked for a mayor up there, worked for Kasim for a while. And I just, I'm just, I'm kind of over Atlanta. I, and I don't know what it is, what the difference is, but Detroit is grittier. And if you're in Detroit, you want to be in Detroit. And you're from there, and um, and now that's all changing, but in a really interesting, cool way. I mean, it's really blowing up up there, obviously. Well, that eliminates what inspired you to come to Macon question that I had, but that got answered. <laughs> <laughs> um, overall, though, what is your goal with Triangle Arts? I would assume uh, you do the art 
incubators. So you kind of just go through and build up, I guess, like you got like some historically rich cultural influence towns. You go through, you build it up, make it better, kind of go on again and start just trying to do as much as you can for communities around the country, huh? Well, and that's that's really the ultimate goal with this artsincubators.com thing. And, and um, we've got to uh, flush that out some more. But so there at one time were three of these things. We had this thing called 4731 Grand River up in Detroit, which recently sold uh, about a year ago. And uh, and then we have 787 Windsor, and we also have this one down here. And the, and the idea is the same in all, all the places. It, it, it shows itself in different ways. I mean, we didn't do entertainment in 4731. 4731... We did poetry and slams, and, and uh, we had the U.S. Poet Laureate at one time per, you know, uh, make a presentation or, or read her poetry there. So we do a lot of stuff like that up there, but that worked up there. Um, and so the idea about Arts Incubators really is to try to, as, again, as I said, provide an avenue for people to step up one level. And I, I like talking about leveling up. And so if I can help people um, – get from level A to level B or whatever it is, wherever you are, if I can help you step up and move forward by helping out with marketing or helping out with, um, I don't know, just uh, networking and business and all that kind of stuff. And so the ultimate goal with Triangle Arts, Triangle Arts Making is to really leverage the phenomenal history and music and artistic innovation that Macon is known for and continue the process. I mean, this is, it's like, this is like candy from a baby down here because there's so much to work with. And yet so many people make and say, well, I don't know. You know, we don't really have a lot. You know, it's it's the same thing that was in Detroit. Everybody up there used to say, well, we love it, but I don't know. You know, we got a lot of problems and it comes around. And, and I can safely guarantee that Macon is going to become just an incredible destination, not just because of us, but because of all the people who are doing the same thing we're trying to do right now at this time to make Macon great. There's definitely low morale when it comes to Macon. Yeah. And I, I'm not I'm not innocent. I've shit on Macon plenty of times. I'm like, this town sucks. There's nothing to fucking do here, blah, 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 blah. But there's always been that fondness in my heart. Like, man, Macon, sure, it's not like anything... <sighs> you got to kind of dig to find the special in Macon. <laughs> like, whereas Atlanta, everybody knows Atlanta, there's... oh. There's so much going on in Atlanta. Atlanta's so great, this and that, this and that. And it's like, Macon, we have our things. But overall, like, that lack of morale, I think, is what kills a lot of it. Well, and, and you know, I think that, but that's why it's such a great opportunity is because all the tools are here. I mean, it's, and to me, again, it's, like, it's almost like a joke because um, it's, I, I can see it so vividly. I mean, that's, that's one, of the, one of my strengths is being able to go and look at a horrible, nasty industrial property and everybody else says, what the hell are you doing there? And I buy them. And then, like Atlanta, we bought Atlanta four years ago. And I'm actually in the process of selling part of that off right now. Mm -hmm. um, because we're going to get uh, this uh, a group of guys who really want to get more in entertainment. They're going to come in. They're going to spend a bunch of money. They're going to put sprinklers in the place. We're going to make it more of a permanent entertainment mecca in the city of Atlanta. And But I agree with you. There's more stuff to do in Atlanta. But at the same time... I don't like paying twenty dollars to park. I don't like having to drive forty-five Dude, uh, minutes to yeah. get three hundred and fifty <laughs> yards or whatever. And and uh, I love Atlanta, the things to do and the people there. Right. It's just the overall thing. I I don't know. That's why partly why I like making so much. 
I, I like to say fuck Atlanta a lot, and I, that that kind of just seems like a broad statement because most people think I'm shitting on Atlanta, and really I just fucking hate the traffic. Yeah. <laughs> Being a truck driver will do that to you. Well, I think that's true of a lot of people. I mean, even driving from Macon up there, it's like the, the uh, what do we call it, the McDonough Triangle or the Jonesboro Triangle. It's like, what happens? You're on 75, and what's interesting is you're driving up 75, and you get to the place where they put those really ridiculous pay for the lane things <laughs> oh, the yeah. express right so all the rich folks can go on the left and go through the, and right there it stops every time it's like why did you put them in i mean why did you spend all that money what yeah. a ridiculous waste of time <laughs> it's always energy. open on the side that doesn't need it to be open it seems yeah. like <laughs> i know i know me and my me and a uh, old buddy of mine had this joke that uh they're all the way around atlanta from mcdonough to cartersville and from like I don't know, Douglasville to Decatur. It's just like they're all separate entrances and exits to portals of hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I was wanting to bring up, like when I was at the focus group here last time I was here, um, what I really appreciated about what you were doing is, you know, when I got out of school, like I said last time, I, you know, I felt like... So you did go to school, in other words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a... Were you late to that as well? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Only time I ever got ISS was for being late. <laughs> it's a problem, I know. Amen. Okay. But, um, yeah, right after getting out of high school, I felt like, or really kind of while I was in high school as well, I really felt like I had a local scene, like, between One Robinson and Macon, where there was a lot of music things happening, like, every weekend. Somebody was doing something. There was a venue. There was a... Um, especially in Macon when they started the Macon Venue Project. Uh, like, you could look forward to a show every other weekend, and yeah. it had a lot, you know, it was where we all met. Like, even if you didn't really know the bands, like, everyone kind of showed up because that was a thing to do. And I just felt like over the years, that's been dying out a little bit. And there's been a few revival attempts, but I'm not sure where the issue is, why, why we can't keep it going. And that's why I'd, I really appreciate what you're doing to try to bring something more permanently back. And I appreciate that. It's interesting. I think part of it's social media. I think, you know, we we all get our music jollies off on social media, a lot of it now. I mean, you can go to YouTube and see anybody and go, oh, okay, I don't want to see him or I do or whatever. And so I think the the uh, the, the advent of uh, the acceleration of social media has really changed the way we all go to clubs and the way we used yeah. to. I mean, we used to, I used to live at clubs when I was growing up. And I lived right outside of Kent State in Ohio. And uh, so I, I was a townie in Kent uh, at near Kent State. And... Um, We'd go, to, we'd go to clubs every night, and they had small live bands. You know, we'd dance all night long. It was fun. But, and you, we just don't do that anymore. But I will tell you, having, just the last two weeks, I've been out both weekends, uh, Friday and Saturday, and, uh, which is why my head hurts right now. Damn. But um, uh, there's a really – it's interesting. I mean, Ma Macon was jamming last night, and, and especially Friday night. You couldn't, I couldn't park. I mean, it was it was wonderful. I love that. Yeah. So it's really been drawing a lot more people in. And I think okay. there's a real effort, you know, and, and I think we're going to be I think people look at us and go, wow, it's really cool what you're doing. And I and, and if if we haven't if we have an impact, part of it is because we're making people brave or something. They go, man, if you can do that out there, we can do this here or whatever. And so I think people are going to start to try it. You'll see people trying to start some more things just because we're just, you know, sort of stirring it up. Yeah, it's funny because I I don't I don't go out a lot personally because like I said I'm a truck driver I'm gone all the time so when I'm home I usually do family stuff or I take some time to do this so you know whatever but um uh, the beginning of the first Friday of this you know September we did that uh, comedy open mic at Reboot in downtown and afterwards you know some of my friends that came out to see it uh, they they were like you know do you guys want to just hang out we went walking around I mean there was like 
So we got that now. Comedy's kind of starting out, which is great for me because I want to do comedy. <laughs> we don't have a whole lot of outlets for that in Macon, nope. but it's building up. Um, but after that, man, we walked right down. I think it was like the Travis Jean Emporium. They had like a drag show going on. And it's like, there's so much just going on in Macon. And it's just like all walks of life. You're being represented now. <sighs> yeah, there's still segregation a lot. And there's still a lot of racists and just bigots overall, whatever. But, you know, guess what? Megan's progressing, whether you like it or not. And we're trying to make sure that it's, uh, you know, good for all. There's things to do in Macon. There's reasons to be proud of Macon. And we're trying to build that morale back up, that low morale I was oh, talking about. Yeah. There's no question. I mean, I, one, one of the, you mentioned the drag shows. What I think is really phenomenally interesting about those is that uh, there are three areas where people mix it up, where the crowds are truly mixed. Right. Um, music depending, and that is that that's up to us. And we're, our music is going to be mixed. We're going to have mixed crowds just because that's what we try to shoot for. So when we have festivals, we're going to try to have different bands and all kinds of stuff going on. Number one, the music, sports. Clearly, people mix it up in sports. And the third area, which people don't talk as much, as much about, is drag shows. You know, it's so funny. When you go to these drag shows, the audiences are completely... It's not even, it's non-racial. I mean, it's all, everybody's everything. It's crazy. It's, it's wonderful. And, and uh, Travis Jean is obviously known uh, for putting on a tremendous show. I mean, number one, for having tremendous merchandise. Scott's one of the, you know, Scott Mitchell is one of the key members of this society, of, of our society, our music society, our social society here. He does a phenomenal job, and we support him in any way we can. And he does a lot of cool things, but they had that, that show you were talking about. We went and watched it as well, and it was, like, incredibly well attended, and it wasn't even a show. It was on the front of a store, and there were th uh, hundreds of people there. It was great. Yeah, we walked by. I was just like, I was like, what the fuck is this? And then we walked over to it, and this one lady was like, she said a uh, uh, not-so-nice word about uh, people that dress in drag, so I won't repeat it, but <laughs> she let me know what was going on, and I was like, cool, let's go check it out, you fucking, you know, <laughs> close-minded bitch. <laughs> well, and like you said, there's a lot of other places downtown now. You know, we just, a new place called JBA just just opened up. Um, uh, then there's uh, Late Nights, or Late Night, what is it called, Late Late Night something? I've heard of that, the Late Night Lounge or Bar Yeah, or I something? should remember because I was there last night late, <laughs> but, uh, and I got to tell you, I walked in, and, and um, the owner and his, the owner was there spinning, he was, he was the DJ, and his dad was there, and they were both hustling and working hard, and, and um, they're really happy to be there, and they did a great job in the club, and, uh, and then, of course, then you have um, my favorite, Grant's, Grant's Lounge. So and, much history uh, there. One of my well, favorite shows I ever played is at Grant's Lounge. Well, you know, it's, it, Grant's is an interesting sort of microcosm, because if you look at some of the shows that have come through there, it is absolutely unbelievable, the talent that comes in and out of that place. And yet, there was a big show there last weekend, uh, a guy in town named Johnny Moe, who you ought to have on this thing sometime, by the Johnny Moe's an awesome guy. But he puts these art shows together in music and art, and... It was a phenomenal show with some just some greats down there. And he, he does an art show on the second floor. Uh, I actually bought a piece, another piece, like I need more artwork. <laughs> <laughs> I've got way too much. But, um, you know, he does a great job there. And, and Grants is one of those institutions, iconic institutions that we need to make sure and, and save, et cetera, et cetera. But I think you're going to see more rather than fewer clubs coming up in the next several months. And, years i have definitely seen a growth in the club or well i guess not the club but nightlife in general and making it's i've seen a kind of resurgence of different clubs bars whatever just something yeah, i'm really excited to do. about it yeah yeah 
Especially with your uh, comedy, and you've been kind of the forefront of it. It's been really cool. Yeah, man. Um, so we've got like, it's a real redneck bar, but Hud's Bar and Grill off a of Great Highway has been, you know, every month they put on an open mic we've been doing and um, reboot downtown is starting up. I've been here and talked that like possibly two comedy clubs are going to open in Macon. So, I mean, that's hearsay right now. Hopefully it does come to fruition because I would fucking love that. Um, well, I think the key is to the key is to have enough things, enough venues. So, if people are sitting around going, "What do you want to do? Let's go to Macon. Let's go downtown." So they come downtown, and if they can always find something to do, then they always come downtown. I mean, it's just you know it feeds itself, and and we're getting to the point where, even now, when I first got here, it was like, "Well, let's go downtown." I mean, I live like I don't know, three hundred yards away, so it's or whatever, like half mile maybe we could walk. And uh, and frequently do walk home, which is a good idea. But uh, don't drink and drive, people. Don't drink and drive, and and uh, whatever, vape and drive, or something, whatever you want to do. And uh, but but the point is that that um, you know I think we'll we'll go. My girlfriend and I will go downtown now and just kind of walk around. And go, oh look, this is going on or that's going on, kind of thing. And uh, we went. We were down last night and listened to a great band, and uh, I never remember the names, unfortunately, but a band out of Birmingham that was playing here, and they were so impressed with Macon. They loved Macon. It was really cool. Yeah, we've definitely we've definitely been trying to grow. I've seen people's efforts, and I am applauding all of your efforts. If you are trying to work towards Macon being a better place to live and have things to do and enjoy, I, my hat's off to you. Um, so, Rick, while we were waiting for Scott to fucking get here, uh, <laughs> we were talking about, like, <laughs> we're not going to let you die. We're not yeah, going to let yeah, you yeah, live yeah. that, man. You're going <laughs> to... <laughs> ever, ever, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, while, we were in, while we were out in one of your buildings, we were talking about, um, so, like, having something to do is kind of a way to combat depression. And, um, you know, I see a lot of people, like, oh, well, you know, you can't cure depression. And it's like, of course you can't. But there's ways to fucking mitigate it. Get off your ass. Go do something. It might not work for everybody. Everybody's not the same. But uh, I remember I've I've always battled with depression. I've always, you know, dealt with thoughts of suicide. And, you know, even when I've got, I make a fucking good bit of money. I have a wife and two kids. And I've got, you know, great family life. And, and I've nobody's got, immune to depression. Yeah. I mean, so there's nothing you can do about it. But there are ways to make it less difficult. And um, so, like, we were talking about having something to do. It's a great way to take your mind off of it. If you're suffering from depression, sitting alone with your thoughts is probably one of the worst things you can do because you know where your mind's going to go to. Yep. Um, do you have anything else you want to add on that? Well, one of the things you were talking about, and so I, I get uh, the Rocks feed, right, on uh, Instagram. And, um, of course, by the time I see every one of them, they have like four million followers already. The guy, but the guy's so cool. But he he um, re, he reposted something from a guy, and I apologize for for not knowing his name. But he's a he's like a British guy, I think, and he's world champion boxer. And he was talking about being on the top of his game, and he's got all the belts, and he had the wife and the kids, and the whole. Th- and he was never satisfied. And he said, you know, the only way he could ever get satisfied was to go in the gym, and just work himself to exhaustion. And so people look at me and a lot of times they go, man, you get so much stuff done. And it's because of that. I mean, I went through a, some serious depression when I was a kid. And um, in fact, when I was in college one time, I didn't go to school for two months. And I did all my work for my grandma's house because I couldn't get out of the house. It was weird. And um, but I got through that. And um, I found actually my story about depression early is I found that when I got depressed, I would like because I have I'm like ADHD. All, you know, I'm, even since we started this interview, I'm. 
thinking about 65 different things I could be doing right now. I, I'm looking around going, I want to do that. But, but so I'm always, I'm always all over the map. So, but when I get depressed, for some reason, it focuses me down. And when I was a kid, I would do some of my best, best work. Some of the best things I ever did in college and other places was when I was really depressed. And I would just get focused on it. And then the problem with that is I started realizing the only time I could get anything done <laughs> was when I was depressed. So if I got really busy, I'd start looking forward to getting depressed. I'd go, wow, I can't wait to get depressed so I can get this shit done. Can't wait to want to die again. <laughs> and that really Christ. screws it up. You know, that, that defeats the whole purpose of depression. So, and I mean, I'm making, making fun of it, and it's a critically, critically difficult, important thing. And I can also tell you that I started to mention something about my past. I think the reason I didn't, um, you know, I let me just take a st sidestep here. I actually went, I got my MBA at a place called the Wharton School. And uh, actually, which is the same school Trump went to, although he's not smart enough to get an MBA. He only got an undergrad and he bought <laughs> that by himself or his dad bought it for him or something. But anyway, so I mean, I had a, I, I got a pedigree and all that kind of stuff. And I worked at Ford, a serious position in Deloitte and all that. And what's interesting to me is, is that um, I sort of found that that stuff wasn't satisfying to me and didn't really make me happy or any better or and it, in fact it made me in many ways less happy because I wasn't doing what I wanted to do right and so I just kind of decided to chuck all that stuff and that's kind of what I've been doing now and and so to go back to what you're saying about being busy you know I, I mean today when 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 uh, bonehead here was so late you know and I had to find <laughs> something to do well instead of sitting around so I'm out knocking out windows in my other building I've got 500 projects at all times so I'm just trying to stay as busy as possible and uh, I don't know if that's really a good, ultimately, like if my therapist, if I had a full-time therapist, and I probably should, but, uh, but if she or he would say, I don't know if it's so, you should really stop and think about something. But you know what? In the meantime, I don't give a shit. I'm just cranking out as much as I can and having as much fun as I can and trying to help as many people as it, I can. That's so important to, like, feel like you have a sense of purpose and enjoy what you're doing because the time of my life where I made the most money and had the most like financial security was the worst time of my life because I just absolutely hated what I was doing every day in and out, and that was when I was like my, at my biggest depression ever. So yeah, that's just really important. Well, and being and being creative too. I mean, you know, you met, yeah. I mentioned I'd, like one of the other things I did. I bought um, Eleanor Roosevelt's furniture trademark about I don't know ten years ago or something, and I built a bunch of furniture. I, I kind of a furniture builder, and I built a bunch of furniture and sent it up, and they sold it through their museum. So, I mean, I can do a pretty good job and all that, but, but I can't make like a thousand pieces or anything. So, and I haven't really turned that into a big business yet or anything like that, mm -hmm. but it's like another one of those things. So when I find myself sitting down going, oh man, what do I do? Well, for me, I jump into my wood shop and I start cranking out furniture designs and I love doing that stuff. And so for me, it's, I, I completely agree with you, Scott, yeah. that you just, you need to find what it is and it doesn't even matter. I mean, it's like, you know, you have all these workforce development programs people talk about and they go, we're going to teach you all how to be welders. That's all bullshit because, you know what, not everybody wants to be a yeah. welder. So that's kind of what we try to do here and all the other places is if you want to come down here and learn how to do something, we'll just come down and show up and hang and hang out. I mean, you know, why are you guys here? Because that's exactly what you did. You came down, you're kind of hanging out going, this is cool, let's do something. And so now we're doing these vlogging things from here. I mean, or blogging, it's cool as hell. And anyway, the key is find something you like to do, doesn't matter what it is, and try to do it. And always remember, what's good for the bank account isn't always good for the soul. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Because I fucking hate my career, even though I make a lot of money. <laughs>
All right, next question I got. A, what is a traumatic event in your life that you've had to overcome? Um, could be one, could be multiple, whatever you feel like sharing. Well, I, I mean, there's a couple, actually. One of them is, is um, you know, when I was a kid, my parents got divorced. I was six years old. My house burned down. Then my parents got divorced, and I was a mess. I lived with friends for a while, and or friends of my parents. They weren't really, whatever, they're, they're nice people, I guess. But um, And that was sort of hard for me to get over. But I think probably the biggest most traumatic thing for me was in 2011, 2010 and 11, um, I went bankrupt. I went completely belly up. And uh, I had a ton of property in Detroit. I had this thing called 4730 on Grand River. And I had several houses and a house in Gross Point, the whole deal. And I had really worked hard to get it all and all. And Detroit just, just caved in in 08, kind of 08, 09. And I hung on till about 10. But I, but in my, my buildings, I had like, instead of, I should have had 50 people renting, I had like six. Um, I had a consulting practice where I was making, you know, well over $100,000 a year. And then it, during that time, it went down to about 30 a year. And I'm trying to, you know, I couldn't even pay attention. I was so broke. And so finally, um, and then my, my wife decided at the time, you know, and now she and I are friends now, so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, too yeah. bad here. What he wants to say is something bad, but he's no. trying to preserve the friendship that they have. <laughs> well, and, and she knows. I mean, we've we had a lot of talks since then, and we have a son together. And in fact, I'm flying out to see my son. I'm going to stay with them. You know, it's kind of cool. I, I like the relationship now. And um, but anyway, you know, she took off and found a guy in Atlanta. That's why I came to Atlanta. She she took off and um, left me and married a guy down here. Or we got divorced and then. She married a guy in here in Atlanta, and I ended up coming down because I had, a, uh, at that time, a, a seven-year-old son, Ricky, who has something called cystic fibrosis, um, which is probably the second most traumatic thing of my existence. And is this out. all after the bankruptcy? Or? Yeah, uh, the bankruptcy was 2010, and uh, we found out about the CF before that. We found out oh, okay. in 2007, I think. And um, so this is all like back to back, like in the it's same all, There's a whole years. bunch of shit. I mean, it's and, and, fucking domino effect, man. Just yeah. so. I mean, so I was like the art guy in Detroit. Everybody's like, who's the art guy? Well, I'd be Rick, probably, right? I had galleries and we we're doing all kinds. And then all of a sudden, so you lose your buildings, you lose your source of revenue, your income, you lose basically your wife and kids leave. Um, if I'd had a pickup truck, it would have been wrecked. You know, and, and our dog got hit and died. I mean, that did happen. I mean, it's just everything, Jesus. everything at once. And 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 so you, you wonder how, and besides, I had a, I have a penchant to be depressed once in a while. So, you know, I spent a couple of months walking around in my underwear in my dining room. Getting a lot of room. stuff done, yeah. Getting, <laughs> <laughs> working his fucking ass yeah. Working my ass off, man, I'm telling you. But uh, so I would say that was the biggest, most traumatic thing. Yeah, um, I don't like to, you know, dive too deep into you know, low points in people's lives. But I think it is important to showcase when somebody's hit a real low point in life and they've turned it around and they've made something more of themselves, even, you know, like, because a lot of people, they fall victim to a low point and they just can't wrap their head around getting out of it. Right. So seeing what you went through, what you've overcome and where you are now and what you're doing, it's like, take that as inspiration. You know, Rick, Rick is, a, uh, from what I've seen about Rick and uh, all the conversations I've had with Rick, Rick seems like a real good guy. Um... He has a lot of the same interests as I do, and he's actually he's actually kind of inspired me when he was talking about all the different things he likes to do. It's like, I fucking love to just, my mind races, I'm like, oh, I fucking do music, I do comedy, now I'm doing a podcast, now I want to do this, let's jump into this, and I've always been kind of, 
beaten down about it. They're like, you need to pick something and stick with it. And I'm like, fuck you. That's not yeah. how my mind works, I've asshole. Been the same way, man. Like between learning guitar, learning how to beatbox, producing music, and uh, playing in bands, just all the stuff. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, and there's so many people. You know, we're, we're all, we all should. Well, y'all should. Instead of putting fluoride in the water, we should put Adderall in the water. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's so many of us that are like, you know, there, there's one. I want to. I just happen to have a thought about. Um, one of the other things that separates me makes me a lot different than a lot of other folks is the fact that I am so concerned about getting people together in the same room, white folks and black folks, right? And part of it's because, well, for me, it's because I learned a long time ago who I could trust. And I went to a prep school in Ohio, which is a phenomenal place. I love the place. It's called Western Reserve Academy. It's in Hudson, Ohio. Number one school in Ohio, yada, yada, yada. And I was on full scholarship because we were broke. And the first day of school, first day we showed up at my mom's 63 Impala that was so bad. I was trying to bond over the, the rust in the back, right? We pull into the school, and on the right-hand side's a Rolls-Royce, and on the left-hand side's a Fleetwood limousine. I'm like, <laughs> where am I? Where have I been transported to? Did we enter the twilight zone? <laughs> but when I, when I find, so I went through that period, and, and I didn't really get along with a lot of the rich white kids. I mean, I for whatever reason, I, I was economically way on the other end of the spectrum. So all my friends were either black or Appalachian, as it turns out. And they're all on some program, some assistance program. And at the very last the very uh, graduation, there was a kid named Kenny Hendon. And uh, him and Larry Love were both from Barberton, uh, or Akron and Barberton. And um, we went into the final, you know, we're in the chapel getting our diplomas and all that. And they give these awards out. And I was kind of a smart kid, and everybody knew I was going to win the Latin Prize. And so... You know, I, they go, and now the, the winner of the Latin Prize. And, and I have to tell you, I was so hungover, I couldn't even see at that moment. I mean, we had <laughs> had our prom party the night before, which is, like, really not a very smart thing to do. And uh, so I remember kind of vaguely standing up when they announced the Latin Prize. And I walked out, and I started to walk up the aisle. And the guy goes, the prize goes to Billy Krause. <laughs> and the entire <laughs> chapel just went, <gasps> and you could hear this gasp. And I went, uh, and I... Turned, and they're all staring, and I turned and I walked back into my seat and walked back, and everybody let me get back into oh, my seat. Man. And first of all, I will say that Billy Krause happens to be a physician in Akron, Ohio, and is a phenomenal guy, wonderful human being, and I can't, you know, I, if I didn't, if I was going to be me, I'd be him. I mean, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. This has nothing to do with Billy Krause, but, but our Latin professor was the cross-country coach, and Billy was a very good cross-country runner, and so mm. somehow that... I'm seeing a little favoritism here. Well, Is that I don't what you're hearing <laughs> Fucking Billy Krause, you know what you did? <laughs> I mean, but again, it's not it's not Billy's thing. I mean, this is, you know... Yeah, but, but anyway, so <laughs> afterwards, um, Kenny Hendon, who's a black guy, came up to me, and he, and uh, and I was just shell-shocked. I mean, I was embarrassed and disappointed. I wasn't really disappointed. I really didn't care about the award or anything, but it's just so embarrassing. Oh, that yeah. awkwardness. So, it's kind of awkward. It's like, uh, you know, so I went outside and he walks up to me and he goes, I got to tell you something, man. I said, what's that, Ken? He said, I have never seen a white dude get fucked over so bad. <laughs> and, and he goes, you know, you're never going to be a brother, but you sure as hell can be a cousin. And I've always remembered that. And, and, and so I just remember what people mean to me and who, who's treated me well. And I'll tell you one other quick story. And this is uh, another thing that really causes me to do what I do. And I was at Akron U. I went to Akron U Night School. I was, by the, by the way, the only night school graduate that I know of that ever got an MBA out of Wharton, but whatever. And, uh, so I'm, and when I'm at Wharton, I'm against, going against Harvard guys and Yale guys, and I go, yeah, but I went to night school at Akron U, boys. You know? <laughs> so they were all do, you know, duly scared and all that. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so I'm in, in Akron U, and, and my stats professor, um, who I did not like, it was a Goodyear guy or something, I don't know, he tosses a 
test back on my on my table on my on my desk in front of me, and I had gotten an 88. And I kind of laughed. I didn't like the guy at all. And so I kind of chuckled because I hadn't really studied for it or anything like that. And it's like, yeah, this is not hard. And I laugh. And he stops in front of me and the whole class is looking and he goes, do you think that's funny? And I said, yeah, whatever. And he said, I want you to look over there. And he pointed to this young black woman who was a nurse who had three kids and three jobs. And he said, she got an 88 in her stats test too. She was raising these kids by herself. I find this all out later. And he goes, so do you think it's funny that she got an 88 too? And by the time we were all done, this girl and I are hugging each other. We're both crying. Oh, I mean, man. it just really, really, and I did not like the professor, but, but that was such a great, great lesson for me. I mean, that was one of my pivotal points, I think. And, and um, from those two events and from a lot of other things that have happened, I know who I, know who I trust and I know who I like to work with. And a lot of these people are people that come out of the neighborhoods here, Pleasant Hill and other neighborhoods. And the more of them that come out, the more the better I like it. And um, so I don't know. It's just sort of an interesting, that's sort of a vignette of how I've developed into what we're doing here. And we're using art to do it. I mean, I could just as easily be using cooking, except I can't yeah. cook for shit, so I can't do that. But but uh, but anyway, that's kind of the, the genesis of where we came from. Ed Holmes Career Institute or whatever the hell we've <laughs> got going on. they got a culinary art school down here. <laughs> Uh, Scott, do you want me to keep asking questions, or do you want to ask your question? Your, uh, are we getting to the silly questions now? Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's do some silly questions. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Uh-oh. Hey, you, you take the first one while I'm getting my other one together. All right. If you had to choose one body part to live without for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um, <laughs> I would say, um, wow, that's a tough one. I mean, <laughs> I could really go without a nose. I don't have to, I mean, there's a lot of smelly things out there. There's a lot of smell. I mean, I would think I'd almost rather go without my brain, you know, because then you wouldn't know. The president does. I know. Well, see, he, and, he, and he, gets, he gets away with it really well. I mean, he does a hell of a job. Him and Mitch McConnell or Moscow Mitch, man, those guys are. I don't know. The nose functioning. is the focal point of the face, though. Like, if you have no nose, you just, you know what, you Voldemort? Okay, you're nostrils. Voldemort, yeah, you look like Voldemort. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or how about my incisors or one of my molars? <laughs> yeah, my actually, molar. I could go without both of my back two wisdom teeth because they're abscessed right now. <laughs> <laughs> I could get a tooth extraction. I think that's Tuesday. cheating, but it's a hell of an yeah. answer, actually. That's good. <laughs> the fucking loophole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, do you want – you ready? Are you? Yeah, sure. Let's go Mine's ahead. Mine's really let's... silly. And... Oh, boy. Oh, this is pretty silly, too. Don't underestimate right. me. All right. I know. I know you. That's why All I told right. you to come up with something silly. Okay, and this is for both of y'all now. <laughs> This is called super Superpowers with a Catch, Choose One. I'm going to give you about four of them, all right? Okay. So this first one is, you can hear people's thoughts, but only in the voice of Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> <laughs> the second one is, can grow or shrink to any size, but your feet remain the same size. <laughs> wow, that'd be a bitch if you're trying to fly. Imagine Ant-Man with size 13 yeah. shoes on you can fly, but only in the opposite direction of where you're looking. So you can only fly backwards, basically. <laughs> you can't look at where you're going. And the fourth one is, you can turn invisible, but you have to fart loudly once a minute. Well, I think I, think I would do the invisible thing, because the <laughs> farting thing would pretty much come easy to me. Oh, you're already <laughs> doing that, yeah. <laughs> I've been wondering what yeah, that smell was. He's yeah. farted once a minute this entire yeah, podcast. That's, that's, why I, that's why I travel with my dog. I always go, Red, <laughs> cut that out. Red, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Quit farting on these nice people. <laughs> Camden? Um, 
I don't know, man. I could probably get used to Gilbert Godfrey's voice. So I'll go with hearing people's thoughts. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. I don't know. But shit, I, hearing my own thoughts is scary enough. I don't need others. I know. You, can you imagine hearing thoughts? I mean, what would, like, listening to, like, imagine listening to Trump's speech when you actually hear his thoughts. <laughs> and you hear what he's actually thinking. It's got to be worse than what he's actually saying, which is horrible to start with, so. <laughs> I hate shitting on Trump because I don't pay attention enough to know what's going on. I just don't. I don't like him and like the way he uh, he presents himself. I, I can't wait can't to stand. go golf later. I'd do a terrible <laughs> Trump impression. He'd, he'd be in his mind. Well, it would be in Gilbert Gottfried's voice, anyways. <laughs> all I know is all I know is I look at. Saturday I can't wait to go golf later. Is that Gilbert Gottfried? <laughs> I haven't heard his voice no, in a long time. It was okay. It's close. I, I sometimes I'm good at impressions. Sometimes I'm that. What I just did. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't know, man, because the, the shrinking and, you know, sizing up with feet stay the same. If I get real big, my feet are going to be tiny <laughs> yeah, still, so I'm going to fall no over. Yeah. <laughs> and if I get tiny, I'm not going to be able to lift my big-ass feet anymore. <laughs> That's a really tough one. I mean, I you know, it would be an interesting thing. But What was the second one? Uh... That was the the shrinking one. Okay. There was a, you can fly, but only in the opposite direction of oh, where you're that. looking. All right. Uh, invisible farting is mine, too. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> that explains your smell in the room, right? Yeah, now. as long as you keep them SBDs, I think you might not get caught. <laughs> I almost stopped at Taco Bell before we came here, but I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that to these people. <laughs> um, here's my, uh, I'm going to, I think I'm going to ask this to every guest that comes on, so... Don't pay much to mind to how ridiculous it is, but uh, would you have sex with Ryan Reynolds? Uh, no. <laughs> Thank you for asking, but no, I have no desire. And then so. on to the next part. How much money would you need to have sex with Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> Everybody's got a price, Rick. Everyone's got a price. I'll do it for free, honestly. I just, I don't know, he's my man crush. Well, I appreciate that, but I, you know, I, I think there are certain things, it's like, it's like taste. It's like what your tastes are. And, and if somebody says, how much would you pay to, I'll give you a million dollars if you if you eat this pile of shit. Well, I think sometimes you get such a bad taste in your mouth, you'd never get rid of it. So a million dollars wouldn't do it. Well, the same thing, you know, having, uh, you know, sex. <clears throat> so I would say no. I would say, yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I do have this theory, though, that if you're a straight man and say you would not sleep with Ryan Reynolds, you're lying. So, I mean, just know that I think that about you now, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will say, I mean, I, you know, I mean, it, with respect to sexuality, there was a time when I was 17 years, we talked a little bit about this earlier, too, before the, the podcast, but, but when I was 17 years old, I remember seeing a kid one time, and I went, oh, my God. And I remember going home thinking, I really found that guy attractive. And I remember thinking about it for two weeks, and I finally came to the conclusion, for me personally, that if I'm going to be naked with somebody, I'd rather have it be a woman than a man. I just, I find women's yeah. bodies to be so incredible and so... But you can still respect when you think another dude, like, man, I would want to look like that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I've, you know. There's a clear difference between, like, I want to fuck that guy yeah. versus that guy looks really good. <laughs> I want to look like him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd like to look like The Rock, but I yeah. don't actually want to, you know, I mean, I'm not talking, you know. <laughs> the Rock is kind of cool to me, but. All right. So you get stranded on a desert island. What three items would you have with you to survive? Um, well, food would be helpful, I think. Um, a, um, now, are we talking survival items or just beyond survival? Like, what are you going to to keep you occupied on a stranded island? Survival, just strictly okay, survival. Okay, okay. okay I'll, I'll give you one. I think we'll just say food exists on the island. You can kind of okay. harvest whatever's so, there and eat um, I would say um, a volleyball. Oh, no, that was the movie. That was, <laughs> what was the other one? Um, no, I don't know. I would say, you know, for me, I just need something to, I, I need I need something to 
be creative. I mean, I, I don't know that I need anything. I mean, I don't know. I think I'd, it'd be kind of more challenging not to have anything. If you had food and you could live, well, what the fuck? I, I, you know, I'd, I would figure out a way to make tools. I guess uh, if in that situation, I would say I'd like to be able to make sure that I had the ability to have um, fire. I want to have fire. Um, I want to have uh, probably, well, something would be really helpful is like a good lifetime supply of really deep red wine, you know, <laughs> and, then, and then a table saw. Other than those three things, I'm good to go. <laughs> All right. In addition to that, what is one piece of art you would like to have with you to try and, and make the time, I don't know, more enjoyable? Sounds like you're going to enjoy it anyway. It gives you free reign to be creative and figure shit out, but... Yeah. If you could, so as long know, as any he's kind depressed, of art, I'll get plenty music, done. Uh, painting that you like, uh, any kind of art medium, what would you like like to just one thing if you could have it with you for your whole time on there? Um, I think I think actually music would probably be. I mean, if you're going to feed me the answer like that, I'll take it. Um, I would say music, but but there are certain pieces of artwork that I would love to have with me. You know, I mean, um, there's a very famous chair called a harp chair that is sort of looks like the front end of a Norwegian uh, war boat, you know, with this big keel coming up, and then the sides are all strings that come down to a side piece. Just phenomenal piece of furniture. And um, I'm still trying to figure out, I'm going to make one of those here in the next, you know, as soon as I get my wood shop up and running and all that. But, but I would say music, because music is something that you can do actively and passively as well. It's not something you have to. I was actually going to ask, if you don't mind real quick, um, so, like, with all your involvement with uh, the arts in the community, uh, what all kind of arts besides? Do you dabble in anything else besides that? Like, do you play any instruments or anything? Or um, I've actually, you know, I I am uh, woefully. Um, I mean, the, the the area that I'm least proficient in is music, okay. and it's a shame. Although I will say that that. If somebody gives me a set of bong, you know, I have, I have very good beat. And, and so if you, if, you, if you force me to do something, give me a set of bongos or four or five drums, yeah, kettle yeah. drums, I can actually play that pretty well. But, but other than that, I, you know, I, I would hurt myself on the guitar. I'd cut my fingers off or something. <laughs> I mean, watching these guys is just unbelievable. So, so I would have to say percussion. And, and, uh, okay. All right. Next question. Uh, if you win the lottery... What's the first thing you're doing with that money? Well, let's say I win $100 million just for the hell of it, right? All right. Um, the first thing I would do, I think, is um, I would like to believe that I could do something like what LeBron did in Akron. And he started this school, and he did it like two grades. He's like fourth and fifth grade. Then next year it's going to be fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. And next you know, um, <laughs> Because, you know, it's like people ask me why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. And I'm kind of an older guy. And, you know, we talked about age thing, which I refuse. <laughs> yeah, you tried to whatever. take a picture for Instagram earlier. And, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but anyway, so um, if I wasn't doing this stuff, I would, based on my age, I'd be theoretically hanging out with, like, rich white guys at a country club. And I'd rather die than do that. I mean, oh, my God. I don't know what those guys talk about. I don't care. I really... Stocks just, and bonds. Well, stocks and bonds. <laughs> but, but honestly, I mean, I got a couple kids coming off the street, and I asked this kid one day, and he's coming out of Pleasant Hill. I said, so what do you do now? He goes, well, I'm not really working. I said, well, you know, trying to help him. What are you, what are you thinking about doing? He goes, well, I actually trade Bitcoin. It's like, holy shit. I don't, you know, I mean, I... Or all kinds of currency, cryptocurrencies, right, and all that stuff. So there's a lot of people doing that kind of stuff. And so that's cool. But, 
but I'm definitely the generation of entrepreneurs. Oh, very much so. <laughs> very much so. And but I, I guess it's um, I don't I'm not so concerned. Somebody once told me about the difference between and this is, you know, true or not, and you can tell me if you like it or not or whatever. But Republicans versus Democrats, kind of, or progressives versus conservatives or whatever. And it seems to me, and this is very unfair. I'm sure people will be all pissed off. Fuck them. Uh, if there are any conservatives listening to this show, which I doubt. There's and, nobody and it, listening to this so, show. Well, okay. <laughs> if there's anybody listening to this show. And, uh, but the idea would be with conservatives, conservatives take a very narrow worldview. So if you say to them, well, how you know, how you doing? They go, they look at their checkbook, and they look at their bank account, and they go, and they and got their kids in college, they got their house set and they're in their little gated community, and they're good to go, or whatever. And that's, again, a generalization. But if you ask folks that are more progressive and more liberal or more Democrat or whatever, how, how's things going? They go, well... You know, the, the people down the street, the guy just lost his job, and the people in my church, they're having trouble, and so we're trying to help these immigrants coming in, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just all about a broader circle, a broader spectrum, right? And so for me, I, I don't really want to be somebody who only looks at my bank account. Um, I'd much rather take that $100 million and do something that will help as many people as physically possible. In fact, another quick story as long as I'm rambling on here, what the hell, is, is a guy, uh, we were ta I was talking to this guy that I had met, and um, he was a, one of these engine, I, I love guys who are like engine builders. To me, that's an art. It's just amazing. But this guy had built like a seven, uh, ridiculous, 700 horsepower Camaro kind of thing. And we were sitting around talking, and somebody asked, oh, it was amazing. I mean, the pictures of it, it, it beautiful car. The guy, the guy was a genius with that stuff. And so we were saying, what would you do with $100 million? That question came up, and uh, we were at dinner one night. And he said, well, the first thing I'd buy, he'd go, I, and he details the boat he would buy, mm -hmm. and then the house, and then the bike. And then after he got through about seven things, and he goes, you know, I don't know. After that, I think I'd be kind of bored. I don't, I don't know what I'd buy. And I'm like, what the fuck is the matter with you? You would buy a boat, and then you'd be bored. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's like for me, I would buy, I would buy something that would enable people to buy other things or whatever. You know, I want to – I'd love to get – 50 of these triangle arts making places i want to go i i've just i've been hearing a lot about birmingham alabama i want to go there and you started to say that early on i'd love to have 10 of these places where where we find when i go to a local place i'm able to finance and build it up and all that kind of stuff and get it going and then we find a local guy or girl who want or gal or whatever who wants to run it and is a good manager and and, there, and like in Birmingham, you know, in Macon, let's say we become more music than anything. Mm -hmm. Well, in Birmingham, it may be more visual art. And then in somewhere else, Mobile, Alabama, it could be something else. Or then Detroit or what. But because every, every place has its thing, you know, it, it, it has. I was called in one time to do this uh, arts and economic development strategy for the, for the governor in Michigan. So when I was working until like the governor office called and I went up, they gave me or whatever, asked me to go do it. So we drew, we put together a strategy for developing the arts in Michigan. And it was all about taking what you got and building on it and moving from there, right? And um, every city has something that's just waiting to be moved forward. And, and, and the cool thing about that is that there's a lot of people in that city who could take advantage of this groundswell of effort. So if you do anything and you find the right people, they're going to get motivated, move forward, and you're going to help them, like I said before, level up. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Like, I was talking about your arts incubators. Uh, you gave me your business card, and it was just on the back. I just said, what is that? Maybe it's where he bought the business cards from. I, so I Google it. 
boom, his name pops up. Your LinkedIn profile comes up, and I start reading it. And I see this with 780 Windsor or 787 Windsor in Atlanta in particular. It's in the Mechanicsville neighborhood. Yep. And uh, so I saw you built that up, and then you hire locals for security. You hire locals for maintenance on the buildings. You know, staffing the you know these venues. It's like boom, you're building up that community, giving people, you know, uh, <sighs> jobs, economic growth. Just you opportunity. Know, opportunity. Yeah, there's a good one. <laughs> well, and like the first, the first time we had a concert. I mean, I mentioned now, 77 is huge now with all these things that are going on. It's crazy. But the first time we had a concert was this thing called the Nameless Fire Theater, and it was like three days after we bought the place, and we had no permits. I didn't know you had to have permits then. <laughs> what the hell? And uh, so we had this big fire theater going on, and. Um, 13 cars across the street in our one of our parking lots over there got broken into. Jeez. And right along, along the fence line, the security guy was at the front gate, so these kids are busting all these windows out. And um, so they find out about it, and, and everybody's freaking, starting to run away and all that. And I get up on stage, and I first said, listen, I'm really sorry about that. And, and even though I don't have to kind of think, we'll pay for all the windows, number one. So right. we'll pay for them. And then the second thing that happened didn't happen right then, so everybody kind of calmed down, and we finished the concert, and it was cool. Then the second thing that happened was we found out who did it, and uh, there's a guy in town, Jeff, whose uh, mother is very heavily involved in economic development, and I love. She and I are very close now, and we weren't before, but we are very close now, and I know her son, Jeff, really well. So I got a hold of Jeff, and so Jeff went out and found for us who did it. So the next concert, which we had another event the following Friday, we hired those kids to be our security guards. It was it was like the most, the weirdest decision I thought I was making. It was like, you know, and it was the best decision I made. Jeff talked me into it. And uh, I'm like, you know, I want to teach these kids a lesson. I'll how the hell with that? I mean, these kids need help, man. These kids need some money. And they're not breaking into cars for, for yucks. They're breaking into cars so they can buy food yeah. because their parents aren't feeding them or whatever the hell. This is a tough neighborhood. So we've hired those kids, and I know those kids really well now. And I mean, I've, I used to, they used to go to jail every six months or so. They'd, um, this guy committed town and pay him each 500 bucks to go steal a car, and they'd all do it, and they'd all get caught. And they'd go to jail. So as soon as they got out of jail, I'd hire them again. And my place, I mean, we never get anything. You know, nothing happens up there because I, I don't know. I just, I, I appreciate these kids. I love them. I, I, uh, I wouldn't want to be them. And so people go, ah, they say nasty things about kids in these neighborhoods. Yeah. I challenge anybody who says any opportunities. I challenge anybody who says these kids are bad kids to go spend a week in their shoes and you tell me how you're not going to be acting like they're acting because you would be acting like they were acting. I know I would be. And so I have a special place in my heart to try to help kids like that. And, and it comes out in mechanics. But the weird thing down here, we're in an industrial zone. So the only the only people I have are cement truck drivers, you know, so and they all need help. But I know <laughs> all truck drivers, no matter what kind of truck it is, need help. <laughs> no, but we're trying to develop programs and get people whoever wants to come by can come by. And 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 one of the greatest thrills of my of my life now is when you get these kids that are, you know, 13 to 17 or something. They're coming off the streets and they're tough kids and they are not impressed by anything. And they nothing i mean they're just looking for an angle they're trying to and they show up here and all of a sudden they're like whoa this place is fucking dope man and everybody's happy and they want to volunteer and they come back and they help i mean it's just crazy i love that i really really love that so that's that's why i'm doing this and if i want 100 million dollars that's what i would try to continue to do 
continue progress and building people's lives up. It's a good way to spend money. Yeah, I was going to ask, uh, what, what's the best way for people that uh, want to support you or, like, push what you're doing? Like, what's the best way they can they can do that? Uh, give me that $100 million. <laughs> That's um, a good starting point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say, I mean, and I will say that right now we're kind of looking for we, we found some phenomenal people, and, they're, and uh, I mean, you guys are a great find as far as I'm concerned. Of course, I could be wrong, but, but no, seriously, I really love having you I guys. I gave a great impression starting <laughs> yeah, yeah. today. No, no, seriously, I'm, I'm really I'm impressed by what you guys do and the energy you have and all that kind of stuff. But we're really kind of right now looking for somebody to sort of act as a volunteer coordinator because we've had dozens of people come up and say, what can we do? How do we help? And my problem is I can't be here all the time. Yeah. And because I'm trying to do, I'm still trying to do stuff downtown now. I'm trying to help out, you know, build up, making economic development kind of thing downtown and do what I can down there. And, and uh, so I'm spending time doing some other stuff. And, and, um, but we've got a couple of guys, you know, there's a guy here all the time, Wayne, who's building these little ghost characters who's cool as hell. Uh, he's actually come out and, and in our, in our, on behalf of us, he's doing, the first Friday of October, he's doing a kids program where he's going to give these ghosts away and they're going to paint them all. So the answer to your question is if people want to help, um, have them just come on down whenever they can. Or if we could find a volunteer coordinator, I would send all those people through that people, through that person. So if you know of anybody who's interested in doing something like that, and this is like a part-time thing. I mean, it was yeah. just, you could do it whatever. I mean, once a week or something. But it would be really helpful to have somebody help do that. Yeah, and I can definitely speak to that. I just, I randomly saw Triangle Arts making on on Instagram. Somebody tagged it in a post, and I was like, what the fuck is that? Clicked on it, and then boom, just scrolled through. I'm like, I got to get involved with this fucking place. So I called Rick with the number that he has listed, and then he called me back from a different number. I'm like, who the fuck is this? A debt collector? Scam call? Fuck this. <laughs> and I, I Googled it, and I saw his name pop up. I'm like, oh, shit, that's the guy. <laughs> that's the goddamn trying arts guy. <laughs> it's funny, because I, I, I wanted to keep my original Detroit number. It's a 313 number. And so when I somebody explained about Googling, you know, Google porting numbers or whatever. So I got onto Google and ported my number across. You could get any phone number you want. Mm. I mean, if all these scam guys can do it, why can't we do it, right? So, <laughs> yeah. And they do it, like, instantly. Yeah. You know, have you ever tried to call those scam numbers back? You know, really get at them. And what it says is, I'm sorry, that number's disconnected. It's like, oh, fuck, it wasn't disconnected like 32 seconds yeah. ago or whatever. <laughs> but anyway, so I ported my number across, and it happens to be exactly the same number. It's 404 or 313 area code, and then the same exact number. Is which I'm shit? not, yeah, it's, which is really <laughs> weird. But it causes more, I'm going to just drop that whole phone number thing, because I'm getting like 12 calls a day from 313 numbers selling me Credit cards, yeah. bullshit, bull, I mean, just, oh, my God. I, lots it's of embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to get a new phone number anyway, so <laughs> we're starting over. All right. Are you a chicken wing man? Um, yes, I am, actually. What's your, what's your order? Um, I like uh, honey barbecue myself. I'm not mm. a big, like, buffalo guy. You know, buffalo chicken wings or whatever. I, you prefer bone-in or boneless wings? Oh, bone in for sure. Okay, I mean, boneless I mean, wings or just chicken nuggets? Sucking the meat off nope. the bone is the biggest thing, baby. <laughs> nuggets. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not a nugget guy. No, you're not a nugget guy. <laughs> no, hey, man, you no. know what I'm saying? Dollar or something for a tent. Burger King, you can't beat that shit. It I might know. be fucking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, but understand, again, I'm, I'm an older guy now, right? So I'm trying to put stuff in my body that's that generally pretty good. Yeah, that I, number one, can pronounce and number two, think is pretty good. So I do a lot of meat and vegetables. I mean, I just do a lot of basic, but nothing prepared like you know fast food anymore <laughs> no are you process. drums 
Drums or flats? That was actually my question. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're on the same page here. Drums or flats? I don't know what you mean. With oh, the chicken with wings. wings. Like, do you prefer do you like the flats or the drums? Well, I guess they oh. do make the whole like chicken wing too. No, no, I, like the I like the drums. I like the drums. Okay, yeah. good man. Good guy. Yeah. There's yeah. more meat. I mean, meat yeah. per. My wife likes flats, so I mean, pl most places are pretty good about giving you an even mix. So if you order a ten piece, you might get five drums, five flats. We can right. split that. My wife right. likes flats. Uh, well, flats, I mean, flats remind me of lobster. You know, lobster yeah. like sucking the. It's real messy. Yeah. It's messy. It's, it's a lot of work. I mean, I, I, you know, I like to get, get my money's worth. Yeah, yeah. Right. Somebody tried to say, there, there's too much gristle on drums up top, and they're like, it's inedible. I'm like, you've never been hungry enough. Yeah, then, it, well, you it also depends on where you're getting it from. There's certain places where I sure I can agree with that, but yeah. Well, and I got to tell you, we so I made a, a pork, I made pork chops the other day, and my girlfriend. Um, ate her pork chop and put it on her plate. And I finished eating, and I looked over at the bone, and I said, are, are you done with that, really? <laughs> Here, let me work on that for just a few yeah. minutes. <laughs> I, uh, I, I kind of clean it up pretty good. <clears throat> I'm personally a lemon pepper wing guy. Yeah, I'm not a lemon it. anything. I think I'm on board with the honey barbecue to myself. Yeah. Oh, honey barbecue is a great flavor. I don't, yeah. I don't knock it for sure. But I can't do pepper. spicy worth a damn. Like, I get mild pretty much if I ever get spicy. Shout out to uh, us Limby. being white. Uh, Shout out to the wimpy foods. wings at Zaxby's. <laughs> well, and I will tell you, you know, I, I noted, I was asking, I looked, I saw this bottle yeah, yeah. of Tums over here, because I, I have the same acid reflex thing now, and I got to take this stuff once a day. And there are times um, I'm laying down, or there are times, one time I, years ago, I actually went into the hospital, I thought I was having a heart attack, because I had my oh, jaw. it gets so bad. It was so bad, my jaw was numb, I couldn't talk, and I thought I was having a heart attack, and they rushed me in. And then it settled down, and then in the middle of the night, when because the, they kept me, all of a sudden, um, I'm looking at the monitor, and my blood pressure is 110 over 70, which is, like, ideal, right? It's really wonderful. And all of a sudden, I get this feeling again. It's like I, I can't even move my jaw. Oh, it's horrible. And the nurse comes in and goes, okay, here, take one of these nitroglycerin tablets. you got to take three of them because for a heart attack thing. And I take one, and I watch my blood pressure go from 110 over 70 to, like, 70 over 50. Oh. I went, what the fuck? And she goes, you got to take another one. I said, you'd have to fucking kill me to make me take another one of those things. What are you, you got to be out of your mind. She was so upset with me. And then but 20 minutes later, a cardiologist is up there, and I'm running on a treadmill. He goes, it's not your heart, fuck. He goes, you got, you got acid reflux really bad. So that's serious, though, man. It hurts. Yeah. It's I take uh, 24-hour Nexium every 12 hours. Oh, wow. And I take 150 Zantac every 12 hours as well. Really? It's the only way I can get by right now. It's... When it gets really bad, I literally, like, can't keep anything down. I start regurgitating everything, and I get really sick because I'm not keeping any food yeah. down, and it's terrible. He's just no, trying you, to... you have worse than I do. I mean, I, I, get, yeah. the, I get the feeling, and uh, it feels like, uh, I don't know, this is like old man talk, talking about our health here. <laughs> but I take, I take the, like, the health 75s. I take the 75s yeah. uh, once or twice a day, and... You know, the problem is they go, oh, it's, it's really no problem. You can't have chocolate, red wine, or spicy food. Well, fuck, those <laughs> or are coffee. three of my... F I can't or do coffee. coffee at all. That's my fourth food group. Those are all yeah. four food groups for me. I Rick, mean, I, see, I saw you at Z-Bean's Coffee on Instagram the other day. What are you doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> Having that, as much spicy food and coffee. What, Z-Beans? I love Z-Beans. Yeah. I have seen a lot of people say it. Oh, well, I mean, Z-Beans... You know, coffee's coffee kind of thing, but number one, they have great equipment to put it together. Number two, the kid's from Mercer, and he's local. He's got two spaces, one up at Mercer and one down at Cotton Avenue. And number three, if you look at his story, I mean, he's really trying to 
pick up, talking about leveling up, he's got some growers that he's really helping level up because now they know where they're selling their stuff. Right. It's real tough. I mean, that's a tough way to live. And so he's given them a, a consistent outlet to sell their beans, and they do a great job. I, I love that place. Anytime I'm having a, mo a meeting in town, we always meet at Z Beans down yeah. on Cotton Avenue. I mean, it's that's what I, yeah, I've seen. Spot. I've seen that yeah. happen right outside. It's like we'll meet at Z Beans in a couple of days. And <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. yeah. I went to a Dunkin' Donuts the other day to get a, a decaf iced coffee, and then she asked me, like, I got the decaf iced coffee, and she said, "Do you want a decaf espresso shot with that?" I was really confused, and I was like, okay, I obviously don't know what an espresso shot is, because I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I thought espresso was, was only like, caffeinated. Yeah, I know. And apparently it's a thing. Like, there's decaf espresso shots. And I was like, well, is that to make it taste more like coffee? I don't... <laughs> I can't I even order it. that shit. It's like, I'll take a latte with two shots of simple syrup and another thing to go, and then yeah. sprinkles. Sh I have no idea what they're talking about. It's like, I just want a, a black coffee. Or I, I actually do chai latte, too. I'm, I'm kind of into chai latte now. I'm... I like the frappuccinos, man, the frozen coffees. Mm -hmm. Like, blend up the ice. It's all crushed up real fine. Really? And then See, I, I fucked with those. Shout More. out to Duncan for their machine being broken yesterday. <laughs> I had to get a fucking iced coffee, like some kind of fucking peasant or yeah, something. I love iced coffee. <laughs> I'm not a big iced coffee guy. I can drink hot yeah. coffee cold, but I'm not an ice. You know, I, I can sit around for like three hours and I drink it, and people go, "Oh my god!" <laughs> my one of my ex-wives used to take coffee that I thought was too hot. I couldn't drink it, and she'd put it in the microwave for like 30 seconds and then start drinking it. I don't. I don't know how you taste anything. It's like yeah. my lips would be mush and my tongue would be all. I hate that. Are you good on time? I've got, like, two more questions. Yeah, no, can... go ahead. Okay. Um, so this one's favorite genre of music, which is what is Rick Ooh. right around listening to? Um, actually, I would say, so having grown up in Detroit, um, I happened to meet a couple of guys, uh, Kevin Saunderson and Derek May, who are two of the original four house music founders, along with Juan Garcia and somebody else. And so... Um, I listen to a lot of EDM stuff. I mean, okay. I like EDM a lot. I'm, I'm real. For me, again, it's you know, I'm, um, it has to do with the whole. I think it's all psychological or whatever. But, but I like I like the consistent beat. I can get it. I mean, I can hang on the beat and then I can go from there, kind of thing. Um, it's like in art. A lot of my art is very visual and very triangle, very geometric shape. Symmetry and all that kind of stuff. I so it's sort of the same with music for me. So I like. EDM. I've always been attracted more to. Uh, the way, like, I like good lyrics, but I'm, I've always been more prone to really liking the way their voice sounds or the way yeah. the song sounds. Oh, yeah. Rather than as, as opposed to, like, the, you know, like what they're saying. And then that comes after. Then I'll, I'll appreciate the lyrics afterwards. No, and I'm, it's funny you say that because I'm exactly yeah. the same way. A lot of times people go, oh, yeah, I love that song. I love what he's saying. I'm going, and I go, I've heard it like 400 times. <laughs> I don't know. What, what does he actually <laughs> say? I, I'm not listening. I'm listening to his voice or her voice. As an instrument, not as oh, a yeah. storytelling device. And it's interesting to me, but I do that. I do I the do, same thing. I do love lyrics, but I've, like, if I sit back and analyze it, when I hear a song for the first time, I don't know what the fuck they said. I'm yeah. just seeing how the music makes me feel, how do they vibe mm -hmm. to the music, like, if they found a pocket, or, you know, like, being a musician, I hear their song, and I'm like, I might have done it this way, but they did it this way, so it's Well, you like, really start... Picking it apart, or yeah. in a good way, but like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what would I do, you know? And well, oh, wow, they did that. That's I really appreciate that they did that. I didn't expect that, you know. A lot of times, like some, I mean, well, not a lot of times, but sometimes I hear artists, and I, you know, like something I would have done is, I feel would have been worse. 
if I had yeah. the same, mm-hmm. you know, instrumentation that they had, I, I don't think I would have made as good of a product even. And it's like, you know, okay. So I like to get <clears throat> the feel from the music more so than what they're trying to say. Like, yeah, what can you make thing. me feel? That's what I yeah. think art mainly is, is feelings. How can you make me feel with what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing? That's my favorite thing about finding a new genre of music. And you just, like, go in on it, and you're like, it feels so novel. Yeah. And like you're like, and you just know in like a year, like you're never. It's gonna be a while before you get that kind of feeling again <laughs> yep. from music. And by the way, I do. I am actually kind of a classic classical music person as well, and I like it a lot of times because of the technical proficiency. And you know, being a furniture builder and stuff, I I, I am, you know, some of the like I went out to Burning Man one year speaking at technical proficiency. And if you're a genius welder with a lot of money, that's where you got to go because some of those things they put together are absolutely unbelievable in their in the proficiency and the craftsmanship and everything else and so from that perspective i'm kind of a classical guy as well i definitely appreciate people that um i guess study the craft and hone it to like you know near perfection i guess you'll never have perfection because it's always right subjective i guess i've always said be a master whatever you do be the best nah, that you can be no, I, and I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, I think... Or strive to, at least. Strive, just keep yeah. working. I mean, it's like, so I swim a lot right now, and I go to the pool, and um, I swim next to people who are like, they're, they're swimming on these little rubber ducky things or whatever they are, those little things, and they're just kind of piddling around, and, and I'll be in the pool for an hour, and in that hour, I swim 72 lengths, or laps, excuse me, 72 laps. So I'll do two miles in an hour. And, uh, and when I'm really... Crank and I used to do. I think my record was uh, my my best miles like twenty six something twenty five. I did twenty five once, but twenty five something once. But um, and I'll never forget the day I did like twenty five thirty two or something. It was crazy fast for me for a mile. And I'm thinking, man, I am dope. This is unbelievable. And I'm going home and I happen to hear about these high school kids are swimming. I thought, yeah, but I wonder what they're. And, you know, the one of them did like a nineteen minute. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh my god. But but I like. I mean, even swimming and I. I People, if you're going to do something, I want to do it. So I'm going to get out of here today and go swimming, and I'm going to try to do a 29. I mean, back, I'm, you know, I'm starting back in. And Where's so back I, on know, his bullshit. Back on his stuff, man. Kind of cranking it. Stroke. Yeah. Uh, you know, crank let's it. go into that because yeah. a lot of people feel like they have to be humble when they're doing something, and they're scared to say they're scared to profess that they want to be the best. And it's like if you don't want to be the best at something, get the fuck out of it. If you're not passionate enough to where you say, I want to be better than everybody the fuck else, you're not doing the right thing. Well, and, and I, okay, that's one view. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be Thank bad, you. though. It doesn't no, have no. to be bad. You don't have yeah. to be like, but, I'm better than everybody else, fuck everybody else. But. I mean, I just, I just try as hard as I, when I build a piece of furniture, I absolutely try to make it perfect. Now, there's some problems with perfection, too, because people, you know, it's like when you, when I was working in corporate and I had to do a presentation, I would spend 18 hours on something that I could really do in an hour, but I wanted to make it perfect. And so you got you to watch that. But, but with swimming, you know, every time when I get into it, I mean, I can feel. You were talking earlier about something about how when you hear music and you, how it makes you feel. Well, there are certain times when, like today, I'll go, and there will be a couple times during this. I'll probably try to do two miles again if I can get there in time. What time is it now? And um, so if I can get two miles in, that would be great. And at some point during that two miles, I'm going to I'm going to hit this groove and I'm just going to be cranking the like fuck, flow state, crank the fucker out. And I can't do that all the time and all that. And I'm slow as shit compared to some of these kids. But um, but it's OK, too. You know, I'm doing good. And and uh, and the other thing is, I always there's always somebody to race against. Yeah. Um, 
there, yeah, and I find kids like I'll I'll flip turn on the end, and somebody typically younger and whatever will jump in right or dive in right then and, and race me down and back, and or they'll just keep you know. So what I do if if they're going to go more than a couple laps, I kind of hang back a little bit, I hang right behind them. And then I wait till they're starting to get tired, and I just freaking bury them. You know, I love that. And because I'm an old man, I'm allowed to do that. I don't care. And uh, I'm not trying to make them feel bad because I always stop and go, "Hey, that was a lot of fun. Thank you very much, and for letting me yeah. beat you like that or whatever." Of course, then you get guys that go, "Oh, were we racing? Oh, pfft, <laughs> oh, you knew please, we were. Please, you, you knew, knew we were yeah. racing. <laughs> don't give me that." All right, so you've kind of maybe you've answered this throughout the throughout the discussion but the final question i have is what are some things you think we could or should do or change to make the world a better place well i think we all i think one of the easiest things is sort of the the vision i have about getting white folks and black folks in a room together and i really mean it in a broader sense than that i mean everybody and so i think one of the best things we could do as a world is to quit this weird ass thing about if people weren't from your country, then we don't yeah. want them because we have so many amazing, strong people in this country that are not from here. None of none of the three of us. I mean, we all came from somewhere else. Every one of us. And yeah, and, uh, my grandmother came here from Guatemala and my I'm, I'm German. My parents came here from Germany in like 1870 or something. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know what the fuck I am. Well, you're something right. <laughs> By golly. I'm the point is, Cherokee. the point is, I think that. Um, and, you know, an American Indian is another uh, people who are native to the U.S. should be should be not not worshipped is not the right word, but nah, should be me. heralded. <laughs> yeah, no, should, yeah, we'll worship you. We should be heralded. But the whole thing. So for me, in terms of the world, um, I have a book, I have a book that talks about global migration and how important global migration has been to the history of the entire world and now all of a sudden we're all trying to throw up walls and we're trying to stop and say if you aren't here now you ain't coming in and i it it makes me angry and so actually one of our buildings here at, at the at triangle arts making is called the sanctuary mm -hmm. and it, it really is in reference to the fact that we really support anybody and everybody and uh, you know I, we may go overboard and be a little too nice to people and you know what and i don't care because if you're a human being and you want to come down here and you want to uh, spell, you know, practice your craft or talk or sit or watch or think or whatever you want to do, we're happy to have you. Rick also said he hosts weddings. Um, you know, typically, especially in the South, we're uh, not always open-minded people. And uh, if you are, if you do, or uh, if you are a part of the LGBT community, sometimes it might be hard for you to find a place to get married with churches being the normal sites. You might get rejected. Uh, so, boom, sanctuary. Well, we're designing that building to be a what to host weddings and fashion shows. Those are like the two big things for us. And um, we do we've done a lot of weddings up in Atlanta, and this is a, a far better place to do weddings down here. It's easier to contain the whole thing. It's it looks better. I mean, it's just a more wonderful place. So we are all about tolerance and understanding and, and having people around. So once that gets on and popping, you can uh, come on down to Triangle Arts Making and get gay married, or you know, just married, as we would like to start calling it but it's kind of funny to say it the other way too <laughs> now i don't want to shit on the lgbt community i mean i'm like i love well, like i said man we we love what you're doing here and we're really glad that you came out today um do you got any dates any shows or anything that your events that you're hosting coming up soon well the biggest thing I, we're yeah, gonna do is one you were mentioning the earlier. biggest thing we're gonna do is get legal here you know we're having yeah. we're having some issues getting through the and everybody laughs when i tell them but getting through zoning and 
What's interesting is in making zoning is fine. The zoning people are wonderful. They're supportive. They're good. It's the individual people that that have to make some of the decisions that are either part of it's not their fault because they're so busy. They they've got one person doing the job as twelve, and they can't possibly do the do an adequate job. And then the other thing is there are people who I think really don't really care, and they're all they're out to do is to make life difficult, and they don't really, not even intentionally, they just don't care. And uh, there are some of those people, and I'm running into one of them right now, and so I've got to hire a consultant for a bunch of money to get Let's around call them out guy. by name. Who are they? Fuck I, them. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, I will do that. No, I will, I will tell you, I will do that. Once I get permitted and I'm done, I'm going back. I'm going... Going the fuck in on you, we're, uh, we're anonymous go back government employee. To, um, well, no, because it's just... If this guy's doing it to me, I'm about as optimistic as you can get. And so if he's kind of depressing me by all these things he's telling us I can't do that aren't even in his purview to do that, well, then he's doing it to other people, too. And if he's doing it to other people, that means he's really trying to tear making down. And that's the opposite of what I'm trying to do. So it's my duty, after I get permitted and we're open, to go after that guy and make sure that he doesn't do it to anybody else. Well, maybe that guy is just, you know, like we were talking about earlier, he's doing something he's not passionate about. And, you know, the saying, hurt people hurt people, maybe. That's his way of getting back, because he's a fucking piece of shit. I don't know you, but you probably are. <laughs> <laughs> um... That's it. We went way over the time frame. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Because Scott was late. Well, actually, <laughs> that wasn't Scott's fault. That was probably your fault, frankly. I mean, Scott was here late, but, you know. Maybe I was here early. Yeah. Something. I don't know. So That's we, a lot, nice going, perspective. I really appreciate that We've been going for a while here, but this has been fun. I really appreciate yeah. it. And, this yeah. is our longest podcast yet, an hour 20. Well, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I flew by. All right. Um, so if you are listening to this, I know I said nobody's listening earlier, but uh, if you are and I'm wrong, I love you. Thank you for listening. Um, shout out to Rick Geyer for coming in. Thank you. Um, also, not for just coming in, but for letting us record this here. That's also very fucking helpful. <laughs> um, so that's it for Babylon and Dablin. Signing off. Uh, we love you. And that's it. Take love care, you. guys. Thank you for listening.